Well, hello everyone. My name's Mark and I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity. Actually, some of you may know I retired this past January and now I'm back in a part-time role. And one of the things I'm going to get to do in that role is to do a little bit of preaching. So it's really a privilege and a joy to be here with you this weekend. As we continue in this series uh, called Letters for Exiles, we've been working our way through uh, this letter that we call First Peter. And uh, now we've gotten to chapter 5 in First Peter. And uh, we are going to talk about this morning what it means to be a leader. Because that's what Peter has to talk about, leadership in God's family. But first, before we get there, would you bow your heads and would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as we meditate on your word for us, this letter written centuries ago, but still so relevant for our lives in your family today. Lord, I pray that that would all be acceptable in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, when I talk about leaders... In the world today, what do you think of? My guess is one of the things that comes to mind are political leaders. Now, no matter what side of the aisle you are on, so to speak, uh, we have a lot of political leaders that have a lot to say about our lives today, and we hear from them often. You can't turn the news on for very long at all without one of those political leaders being quoted and maybe criticized. And uh, sometimes it's hard to know what to think or who to trust or who to believe in, isn't it? But it's not just political leaders in our world. There's also business leaders. And I think it used to be that if, if someone was a CEO of a, a, a major company or things like that, um, we, we might not necessarily even know who they are. We'd know the company and the product, but we didn't necessarily know who those leaders are. But that's very different today, isn't it? Um, those leaders have taken on national prominence as well. And we hear you know, from people like Bill Gates or Elon Musk or, or others, and they have something to say not only about the company that they lead, but our lives and how we should be living them. And, and maybe even on a smaller scale, you in your workplace have leaders probably. Um, you, have, you have people, if, if you have a job, you have someone who's leading you in that sphere. And so if you've experienced that kind of leadership. Now, interestingly enough, in the world today, there's another kind of leader that has emerged, uh, people that are called social influencers. Have you heard that? Um, it, it was a few years ago. I think I heard that for the first, first time. They were interviewing someone and they said, well, what do you do? And they, she said, well, I'm an influencer. What does that mean? It's basically leaders who are leaders by being leaders. I mean, they don't have any kind of official position. They've just garnered a following on one of the social media sites like Instagram or TikTok or things like that. And, and, and that means now they are leading in our society. They have a voice in our society. Um, one of the ones that's kind of amazing to me is, I don't know if you've heard of this person called, uh, called Bad Baby. I think I'm saying that right. Um, she, she became famous when she was a teenager on uh, Dr. Phil's show. And she said something that kind of became an internet meme, and, and then she got more popular, and now she has you know, millions of followers on Instagram. She, her net worth is $50 million right now. She's 18 years old. Famous for being famous. And she's a leader in our society. Now... I think when we think about earthly leaders, uh, one of the things that, that is often very true is uh, earthly leaders have some problems. They're, they're all too often very self-serving. 
Um, they're worried about power. They're worried about uh, their own prestige. They're worried about their own net worth and things like that. And, and there's a lot of mistrust in leadership in the world today. So that's why it's so important that this week we, we have a chance to listen to God's word about what God's word has to say about what godly leaders are all about. What is leadership about from God's perspective? Now, you may be sitting there saying, well, well, Mark, that's interesting. It's interesting that you're talking about leadership. It's interesting that the Bible has something to say about leadership, but I don't know if it necessarily applies to me because I, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a leader. Well, I've got news for you. You are a leader. That's what God's word has to say. Do something for me, would, will you? Uh, take your fingers and, uh, and, and go like this. And, uh, and, and see if you can find your pulse. Just sit quietly for a minute. See if you can find your pulse. And, and by the way, if you can't, call 911. No, I'm joking. You may just not be able to find it. But, uh, but see if you can find your pulse. And just sit there for a moment and just kind of feel your heartbeat. Now, I heard someone say this in the church uh, maybe about 15 years ago, and it's kind of become something I use often with people when I'm talking with them. And, and it's this phrase, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. In, in other words, if, if, if you're living and breathing here in this world, God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And, and a big piece of that purpose is that you would lead at least one other person to be part of his family, to, to come to know God as their Savior, to, to put God's plan for their life in place in their life so that they would live a more rich and full life. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Ephesians 4.16, and, and it says this, as each part, it's talking about the body of Christ, the God's family. It says, as each part does its own unique work. Did you hear that? You are part of God's family, and that means you have a unique work to do. Something only you can do. A person, another person maybe, that only you can lead. As each part does its own unique work, he, Jesus, makes the body grow so that it is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, make no mistake, God is still the one that does the real work of change in people's lives. That's the Holy Spirit's work. And God is still the one that makes the body of Christ, the, the family of God, grow and be healthy and thriving and full of love. But for some reason beyond our understanding, God has linked his effectiveness at doing that to you doing your part. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said this to his disciples. So he's speaking to disciples and he says, go make disciples. You see, in God's family, making disciples is what we do as disciples. We are disciples who make disciples. And, and what that means in modern languages, we are people who, who help people look, live, and love more like Jesus. That's what being a disciple meant in that context. And so whether you think of yourself as a leader or not, you are a leader. 
And that may mean that you're actually leading a ministry or a a part of a ministry here as a part of this family of God that we call Trinity. Or it may mean that you're leading a small group as, as people study and grow around God's word together. Or it may mean that you're a mom or a dad and you have children that you are leading or family members that you are leading. It may be that there is that one other person, that coworker that is searching for something and God has called you to lead them. But if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you are a part of God's family, you are a leader. And so that's why it's so important that that we talk about what God's word has to say about what a leader looks like in God's family. Because again, I would say that it's very different than the picture we get in our minds when we think of leaders in the world around us today. And so I... For the rest of this message, I want to do two things with you. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at three keys to being a godly leader. We take them right out of this 1 Peter 5 letter that we've been reading. Three keys to being a godly leader. And then we're going to end the message with some encouragement. We're going to end, end with some promises God has for us as leaders in his family. Okay, so three keys and then God's promises. That's what we're going to look at together. So what's the first key? Well, the first key is very simply this. God says in his word that if you want to be a leader, you need to be willing. Now, is that surprising to you? It it was to me the first time I read this and looked at it. This this idea that being willing is the first step. I would have expected something like, well, if you're going to be a leader, you need to be charismatic. Or if you're going to be a leader, you need to be bold. If you're going to be a leader, you need to be insightful. If you're going to be a leader, you, you need to have integrity. But, but God says very simply, the first step to being a leader in his family is just being willing. Listen to what he says. Again, this is, this is in 1 Peter 5, verses 2 and 3. Um, he's talking to leaders in the church, and he says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. Not under compulsion, not because you think you have to, uh, not because you think there's no other choice, uh, not because there's no one else to do it. He just, he says, just be willing. Uh, be willing to be used by God. I, I remember there was, a, there was this painting that used to hang in our hallway in the house where I grew up. And uh, it, it's, this, it's this painting, this very classic painting of Jesus standing at a door, looks like maybe in a kind of a garden setting, and it's a very old wooden door, and he's simply knocking on the door. Now, it, it comes from a, a verse in Revelation where Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And, and I always thought what that was about growing up was that, you know, God wants us to be his children. He wants us to believe in him. He wants us to be a Christian. And so he's knocking on the door of our heart that we will let him in so we can be believers. But, but that's not the context. When you actually look at the verse in Revelation, he's talking to people that are already believers. What he's saying is, I, I want you to be part of the mission. I want you to be, I want you to be a leader. I want you to help lead others to to come to know me, and I want you to help lead others to to follow me and and live their lives the way I know is best for them. But Jesus doesn't kick the door down, does he? He he doesn't burst through the door and say, you've got no choice, now you're going to be a leader. No, he he knocks, and it's up to us. Are we going to be willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to say, okay, Jesus, I don't, I don't know why, but if you want me to be a leader, I'll be a leader. 
Folks, that's the first step. All you have to do is be willing. Now, the, the second key uh, to, to being a leader, according to this reading here in 1 Peter 5, is first you have to be willing, and next you have to be eager. Listen again. Um, he says, shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So, so what's, what's this about? We just talked about being willing. He says, willing isn't enough. I want you to actually be eager. And, and the question here is one of motivation. Why do you lead? Now, again, I think when we talk about worldly leaders today, um, we could come up with a lot of things, couldn't we? We lead for power. Um, we lead for control. Uh, we lead for the monetary benefit. We lead uh, for the prestige. We lead because we want to be in charge and not have anybody be able to tell us what to do because we're the boss. There's a lot of earthly reasons why we lead, a lot of earthly motivations for leadership. But, but all of those, the Bible calls selfish gain. In other words, whenever we're leading, we need to take a, a solid look at our motivation we need to really sit down and have an honest assessment with ourselves. We need, we need to look in the mirror and say, why am I doing this? Why, why am I willing to lead this small group? Or why am I willing to lead this ministry? Or why, why am I willing to be a mom or a dad? Why, why do I want to lead? And if the answer has anything to do with meeting our own needs, that's not godly leadership. He says we need to lead eagerly, simply because God has called us to lead. One, one translation actually flushes this out a little bit more, and while it's not there in the original language, I see where they're going. They say godly leaders are leaders who are eager to serve, eager to put the needs of others first. And so a, a key to godly leadership is, first of all, being willing to lead, saying, yes, Lord, here I am, send me, I'm ready. And, and, and then and then to say, and I'm going to lead in such a way that, that I'm putting others first, and, and I'm not leading for selfish gain, I'm, 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 not lead, I'm leading for the right reasons, and that is to be obedient to your call and to help others be more like you. Now, the, the third key to effective leadership is to be humble. Listen to this. This is 1 Peter 5, uh, 5, 5 to 6. It says, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now, let me ask you a question. When you, again, think about leadership in the world today, how many would you, how many leaders, earthly leaders that you know of, would you say that their, their best characteristic, their first characteristic is they are humble? Not many. A number of years ago, uh, this guy wrote this book called Good to Great, where he analyzed what, took, what, make, what separated good companies from great companies. And, you know, in other words, to, to be a great company, what was distinctive? And one of the things he found is he, he didn't want to call it servant leadership, because he said that sounded too churchy. Uh, he, he called it called it level five leadership. And one of the keys to level five leadership was that the leader would be humble. I remember reading that book for the first time, and at the end of that chapter, there were some reflection questions for you as a leader uh, to decide, 
Am I the kind of leader that fits that level five leadership description? And here was one of the questions, and honestly, it has haunted me throughout my whole ministry. It, it, it was this. He said, if the organization you lead, remember this wasn't a church book, this was just a leadership book, said, if the organization you lead succeeded beyond your wildest dreams and you got none of the credit, would you be okay with that? And by the way, the first time I read that question, I had to say, I'm not sure I would because I kind of like to get some of that credit. And so one of my challenges was to keep that question before me. And so I wrote it on a note card and I still have that note card. I still keep that note card where I can see it so that, so that whenever I'm leading something, I'm always thinking if, if what I'm leading here, if, if God blesses it amazingly, but people go, well, how did that happen with Mark leading it? Right? I'd be fine with that. And it's a struggle, isn't it? You know, here's, when we think about being a humble person, when we think about being a humble leader, here's an important distinction, though, I want you to remember. This is a, a quote from C.S. Lewis. He said this. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Now, think about that for a minute. See, what I don't want you to hear is, that I need to be a humble leader, so I'm going to beat myself up. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to look at, at my abilities and put myself down. I, I'm, going to, I, I'm, I'm not going to think of myself as gifted, or, or I'm not going to focus on the gifts that God has given me and things like that. That's not what being humble is about. Being humble is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself last. The way we are humble leaders is, again, by focusing on others, their needs, their struggles, their hopes, their dreams, the ways that we can help them be more like Jesus. That's what true humility, biblical humility, is all about. And, and by the way, Jesus was the, the perfect example of that. Jesus was incredibly humble, but he was also the son of God, and, and he knew it. So the three keys to being a godly leader, they're not, again, things like uh, confidence. They're not things like uh, integrity. They're not things like uh, strength of conviction. They're not things of being insightful or charismatic or any of that. To be a godly leader, you just need three things, Peter says. You need to be willing. You need to be eager, eager to help others, eager, eager to lead where God leads you. And finally, approach that leadership task with humility. And, and then here's what it says. Listen to these, this, is, this is incredible promise that God has. This is 1 Peter 5, 10 to 11. Peter says this, Christ himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So what, what he's saying here is if you are willing to lead, and if you are willing to lead the way God calls you to lead, with, with eagerness, with willingness, with humility, then he says, God is going to keep his promise to you and he's going to restore you and he's going to make you strong and he's going to make you firm and he's going to make you steadfast. What, what do those mean? Well, let's just take a few minutes here at the end of the message to think about these promises from God. God says this, first of all, he says, I'm going to restore you when you fail and you will fail, God promises. When, when we lead, we, we are... Human beings, which means we are sinful human beings, which means we are going to fail sometimes. And God says, here's the good news. When you fail, I'm going to restore you. I'm going I'm to pick you up off the ground. I'm going to dust you off and say, okay, get back in the fight. 
Get back at it. Yep, yep, you made a mistake. That's okay. I love you. You're forgiven. Get back at it. You see, I, I think a lot of us, probably the number one excuse I hear from people when I ask them about leading is they say, well, I, I failed in the past. I don't want to try that again. And God says, that's not how it works. We all fail. It's not the failing that's the issue. It's, are you willing to try again? God promises that he will restore you. The, the second thing he says this, it, when you're weak, well, then I'm going to make you strong. There's this wonderful confession that the Apostle Paul makes in one of his letters. He says this, he says that three times he begged God to take away this thorn in his flesh he had. And, and we don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. We don't know whether that was literally a physical ailment that made him physically weak sometimes. We don't know whether that was a, a mental um, inadequacy that, that made him question himself sometimes. We don't know if that was an outside influence that got in the way of him being able to be effective in ministry. You know, Paul had quite a past before God called him, and was it that past that was getting in his way? We, we don't know. What we do know is Paul saw it as a weakness, and he begged God to take that weakness away so that he could be more effective as a leader. And you know what God said? My grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Folks, we can all look in the mirror and, and see our inadequacies. We, we can all see our weaknesses, and we're going to encounter things that are going to make us weak in the knees when we try to lead. God's promise is, if we rely on his strength, not our own, he will make us strong. And, and, and then he says this, he says, when we doubt, he's going to make our faith firm. Let me ask you, whether you're, you're here in the room or sitting at home, raise your hand if you have doubts sometimes. How high can I raise my hand? We all do. There's this incredible story in the Bible about this man that brings his son, his young son, to Jesus. Now, this, the son was plagued, we're told, by these fits that he would have. He was possessed. He would, he would, he would ride on the ground. In modern terms, it sounds like, like a form of epilepsy or something like that. And and so he brings this, this young man to Jesus, his son to Jesus. And, and sure enough, the man has a convulsion and fit right there in front of Jesus. And you can just sense the desperation in the man as he sees his son struggling like this. And, and he looks at Jesus and he says, please heal my son. And Jesus says, well, if you, if you believe I can, I will heal your son. And do you remember what the man's response is? He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Have you been there? Boy, I know I have. I, I've had those moments where I am just begging God for his help. Um, these prayers that I pray that I call my five please prayers. I'm just God going, please, 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 Jesus, I need your help. And, uh, and, and I believe that he can help. I believe he loves me. I believe he hears my prayer. I believe, but then I'm also going, but Lord, help my unbelief forgive my doubts, make my faith firm, make it strong. And that's exactly what Jesus promises he will do. And here's the last promise. He, he says, when we fail, he's going to restore us. When we're weak, he's going to make us strong. When we doubt, 
He's going to make our faith firm. And then finally, he says, when the world is falling apart around us, he's going to give us a firm foundation. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like the world is falling apart around us more and more every day. You know, in in retirement, there's this temptation. I'm just going to go buy a house on a mountain somewhere, and I'm never going to watch the news, and I'm only going to go to the grocery store when I have to, and I just want to check out from life because it seems like the world is falling apart. That's the temptation, but that's not what God calls us to do, is it? He says, no, trust me, when it feels like the world is falling apart, when it feels like you're standing on shifting sand, it's on Christ the solid rock we stand, the old hymn says. He gives us a firm foundation. Folks, God is calling you to be a leader. And and again, that that may be leading a small group, or it may be leading a ministry here at Trinity, or it may be leading a coworker or a friend to come to know Jesus and, and, and understand God's plan for their life, or it may be parenting young children and leading them to know the Lord, or you fill in the blank. God is calling you to lead. So are you willing? Are you eager to serve others and put them first? Are you willing to be humble? And trust in God to help you to succeed. Would you bow your heads and would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, today I come before you and I say, here I am, send me. Lord, I want to lead. I, I mean, I don't. There's a part of me that, that isn't willing. There's a part of me that would rather just take care of myself and, and let you worry about everybody else. But, but Lord, Your word invites me into ministry and mission with you. And so I say, here I am. Send me. I'm willing, Lord. Make me willing. Make me eager to put others first. Keep me humble, Lord. And Lord, I'm going to cling to your promises. When I fail, that you're going to restore me. You're going to forgive me. When when I am weak, you are going to make me strong. When I feel like uh, the world around me is falling apart, you're going to put me on a firm foundation. And Lord, when I get to that point where I have doubts that you are going to make my faith firm, Lord, help me trust in your promises. Help me lead the way you would call me to lead. In your name we pray. Amen.